Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast. And I believe that the more we seek God and study His Word, the more He'll transform us to be like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with His best looks like. And that's our mission at More To Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by a More To Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at moretobe.com slash podcast and get access to a library of Bible study content and biblically based coaching resources that will help you align your life with His best. So on this episode, we are diving back into our Let Go and Live a Vision for Breakthrough Bible Study. And I'm joined again by Kaylee Kelch. Hey, Kaylee, how are you today? I'm good. We're in the spring season, right? We've been at this Bible study thing since January. Yeah. I, I love it when I get messages from people who say, did you upload the, the latest edition? I have one gal that emailed me this morning and she's like, I'm going away on vacation next week and I'm taking it with me. So I wanted to make sure Yay. I was all set. And I thought, wow, people are actually really doing the study with us. It's not just you and I. So that's awesome. It's been awesome. And it's been really sweet. So our focus with the Let Go and Live Bible Study is taking one chapter a month. And spending time first reading it and then writing it out and then taking those same words and praying it out. And so right. the PDF resource available on the Sisterhood has this printed document that you can download, print and write in. And then the uh, wellness guide is a piece that I end up putting together at the end of the month after I've spent the month studying mm-hmm. the scriptures. And that to me has been a real like, wow, God, you really want to do a heart work on us through your time in the word. And so it's like heart word, heart work, heart word. Like I just keep on sitting with that concept of he's not done. And and he wants to, um, as we're going to look at today, I think shake us up and shake Mm -hmm. out the things that he doesn't want in our lives. And so last month it was March Gosh, it seems forever ago. And the, the goal was to do all of Hebrews 12, but we got through the first like 12 verses and we said, nope, that's it for this month. Yeah. Uh, so we are looking at the second set of, of the 12 of the verses from Hebrews chapter 12. And so kind of context, um, I don't think I mentioned this last time, but the author of Hebrews is not known. I know. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. I personally, I always feel like it's Paul or Luke. It depends upon what verses I'm in. Right. But the commentaries say it's likely not Paul. And yet I do, there are a number of Bible scholars who do feel like it is Paul and, you know, based on just kind of the writing style and some of the language. Yeah. Um, But yes, like a definitive, this is who wrote the book of Hebrews. There is, there is no definitive answer, so. I know, I know, which is really interesting. And, and then also the context of they were in persecution Mm -hmm. and, and suffering and struggle. And this was very much a long sermon that we, you know, present day culture probably would not have the endurance to sit through of come on, this is what it's all about. And so Hebrews 12 comes right after Hebrews 11 but the significance of Hebrews 11 is that it's that hall of faith. Yeah. 
And so, you know, person after person is recounted in the lineage of God's work. And many of them, if not all of them, did not live to see what God was accomplishing. Yeah. So well, and I, I find it, you know, if you if you look at all of kind of the counsel and instruction in the book of Hebrews and you come up to the end and you have this, it's almost like the author is like outlining, yes, this is this is what's going to happen and this is part of the struggle and this is why there is a struggle because we're, we're putting our faith in Christ as our high priest and people don't yeah. necessarily understand that and, you know, kind of going through um, so much like theology Mm -hmm. and then we get to chapter 11 and just looking at all of these people I I guess I I feel like it's maybe this level of like okay I know what you're going through but this is the remembrance that you're not the only one that's gone through this like Mm -hmm. hold firm to your faith um hold firm to what is true hold firm to all these Mm -hmm. truths that I have been instructing you on and don't waver in that because there's other people that had hardships and you're mm-hmm. going to get through this. And that's, that's part of why it's called faith and, yeah. and, you know, stick with it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Right. right. And then at, and I, I find it so interesting. We go through the kind of stick with it. Don't give up. And Oh, by the way, you're in trouble. Right? <laughs> like it's really like the, the, how I see the first part of, of chapter that's 12, cool. like you're in trouble, you're getting disciplined. Mm-hmm. but God loves you. And right. up until studying this last month, you're in trouble would have elicited in me a like panic response, mm-hmm. like, ugh, you know, the other shoes dropping, I'm going to get right. clobbered here. But I can't tell you how many times I've been listening to other people talk over the last couple of weeks, just sharing the things that they're struggling with, whether it's in a coaching session or mm-hmm. a friend situation. And, and the struggle to make sense of the hardship in life. And Mm -hmm. suddenly I'm looking at it through the lens of God disciplines those he loves as his adoptive children. And so suddenly you're in trouble is starting to take on a new meaning of God's taken a time out to address an issue in your heart, to bring you into that transformation process to become more like him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, not, not that I'm at a place of bring it on Lord, but, but more like the heart is not a representation of the lack of God's love anymore. Right. And I think that's, I think maybe we mentioned that last time. And if we didn't like that word discipline can have such a negative connotation. And yet when you look at it as instruction or teaching or training, I think we're more comfortable with that kind of like Mm -hmm. tone of the word, because that feels like, well, I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm expanding Um, where discipline feels like a negative connotation. Yeah. Yeah. And we had, um, because I had just edited the podcast for its airing, (laughs) we had wondered, was the word disciple a derivative mm-hmm. of the word discipline. And there are similar roots in it. And so really a disciple is somebody who is disciplining themselves according to the the principles, the lifestyle, the experience of the one they're being discipled by. Right. And so if we are disciples of Christ, we are living out really a, a discipline of knowing him sure. and becoming like him. Mm-hmm. And there's no difference in that kind of... Um, physical, emotional, spiritual 
togetherness than there would be if we became a disciple of somebody who was an athlete and we were going to pick up their training model, right? Right. We would be following the same blueprint. If we become a disciple of, I'm doing a whole 30 again with a group of gals, like Mm -hmm. one could say I'm being disciplined by the principles of whole 30 Mm -hmm. and who created whole 30, right? So, so we, we do fall into this discipline pattern in areas of our life that we have not identified as negative because we are looking at the outcome of the fruit of it. Correct. And if somebody like in the training perspective, you know, if you've picked up their training regimen in order to prepare for a half marathon, and then you happens to be working with that person, they're like, oh, well, you really need to tailor this differently, or you should try this, or, you know, you're not really adhering to the plan exactly like I had outlined it. Yeah. I think there would be less, it'd be like, oh, okay, I I need to work on that because I'm wanting the best for you know, the best outcome for my, my event. Right. Um, and somehow though, there's, yeah, there's this rub that happens. I feel like with God that it, it feels like, oh no. And I think maybe as I'm saying this out loud, you know, it, does it come back to again, that we're unsure of his heart for us. Yeah. And so we go towards that, like, well, he's coming down on us as a authoritative overbearing parents mm-hmm. versus that we're approaching it from the standpoint of a loving father, loving mm-hmm. trainer. Like if you go into that, you know, a loving coach yeah. um, and does that shift our thinking to the mm-hmm. fact that it's all about our best interest? Yeah. Yeah. And I do think lots of parallels are jumping out at me right now. Yeah. I do think that there are moments, especially when we first come to Christ, you know, for those of us who haven't had, you know, a six-year-old experience of salvation, but a later Hmm. experience of salvation, big conversion, there's this fire of like the old way, the new way. Like, I remember I was like, what does it look like to be a Christian? I'm going to be bold and brave and courageous at this. But there's a slow fade that happens in our lives where we become undisciplined in the things that we started out disciplined Mm in. And so even doing this whole 30 journey, I'm only a couple of days into it, but I, this group is using my Holy Whole Bible study where mm-hmm. I had written that study after going through such a transformation. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'm going to reread it too, which I hate reading anything I've written because <laughs> I don't want to see how I could have, I get critical about the language yeah. <laughs> structure and it's like somebody else can just take the principles and run with it. But for me, I'm right. like hypercritical. So I'm reading it and one of the boundaries that I had for myself, you know, a year after my health transformation was that I would not sugar alone. I would only have something with sugar in it, whether it was like a gluten-free dessert or a gluten-free muffin or a glass of wine or a beer with my husband. Like I would do it as a celebratory thing with people. I can't tell you when I stopped doing that. But that book was published in 2019 and it's 2021. And I was like, oh, forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, like what that is that that that's frightening to me. That's absolutely frightening to me that we could have a habit and be disciplined in something. And it's just one little thing and then one little thing and then one little thing and then it becomes nothing. And I I do think that's why we will find ourselves 
being disciplined by the Lord over the course of our life. And we talked about this last time that we will not arrive at a place of no longer needing discipline because the human nature is such that we forget so easily. Like I'm totally an Israelite, like boom, (laughs) there it is. Like how I will never disobey God ever. Right. I will not have an idol. I will not marry for, you know, a foreigner, you know, before Peter God, being, I will not weeping. deny you. I will not deny you. And oh yeah, really? You think so, Lisa? And then if, if I'm this way with sugar, where else am I like this right. in my life? Yeah. Oh, very valid points. Very, it's been very convicting. And I, I'm thinking, okay. And so my daughter said to me, well, mom, why are you doing this again? Is it, is it weight loss? And I said, no, I need a reset. Yeah. And that really, when God disciplines us, it's an invitation for a reset, right? Yeah. So interestingly, the subtitle of this portion of scripture is a call to listen to God. And I, I, I look at that word call and I automatically think of our smartphones mm-hmm. and how many times we are answering, how many pickups do we have in a day? Right. Right? How many notifications do we pay attention to? How many do we ignore? What is our habit with information coming our way? Mm-hmm. And is there a parallel in that habit that we have with God? Good question. Yeah. So that's where my brain is at. And yeah, that's not where this passage necessarily starts. So verse 14 says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. We could spend the next 45 minutes just talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean this work at living in peace with everyone. Especially in today's culture right now. I mean, I don't want to call any, you know, and I'm not like pinpointing, but like, I feel like there's most people are not trying to live at peace with one another. Right. It's like, how do I push people's, and even if they're not intentionally, like, how do I push people's buttons? There's such this mentality of like, I have to share my opinion and I don't care who it's distances or who it steps on their toes. Mm-hmm. And there's just such a different way of looking at it of like, well, what would peace look like? And how, how does peace share its thoughts in a way that doesn't come across as that everybody else is wrong and I am right. Right, right. And whether we're talking political agendas or social agendas or family relationships, right? Work at living at peace with everyone. I automatically think the the answer to that call is submit one to another out of reverence for Christ Mm -hmm. out of Ephesians Mm -hmm. 5.21. So if my agenda and my needs and my desires are the most important thing, then I am not listening and I am not considering and I am not submitting unto the principles that Jesus says to live by, Mm -hmm. which is to think about others before you think Mm -hmm. about yourself. I mean, that's the golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so, yes, yes, we are um, called to use our voice. Right. Right. We are called to express our needs. And, um, you know, my husband and I uh, have a um, really unhealthy cycle that happens when I express 
a need and he hears it as criticism. Sure. And, and likewise, he can express a need and I hear it as pressure or Mm -hmm. expectation. And so when we get caught in these cycles of hearing it without the goal of living in peace with one another, we become defensive and aggressive Mm -hmm. and we end up in a conflict and it gets ugly. Right. Right. Um, but it's really hard, especially in a marital relationship or in a relationship with your kids, when you're like, okay, I'm going to take the higher road here. I'm going to live at peace. I'm not going to be defensive in this. I'm going to seek to hold peace up, Mm -hmm. but yet the other person isn't in that same commitment place. And that is, I think that's one of the hardest things and the most frustrating things is that when you're trying to live out a godly principle mm-hmm. and the other party doesn't want have to have anything to do with that. Yeah. Um, and yet God doesn't tell us that that's, that gives us the right to be off the hook. Like, right. cause Jesus modeled that the whole time he was on earth in his ministry. Right. right. I mean, right. he was trying to live at peace and to share the good news, of the kingdom of God. And yet the Pharisees and the other religious leaders wanted mm-hmm. nothing of it and kept trying to push his buttons and be ugly and, you know, bring up everything mm-hmm. to try to trap him and his and the religious law and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Jesus was straight with them at times there. It doesn't mean that there's a passivity right. to it. And yet there was always a way about it that was presented in, uh, you know, I don't know, a loving way. way. And, and and I think in a way that other people saw something mm-hmm. about Jesus and the way mm-hmm. that he was going about it mm-hmm. versus the, the hatefulness of the Pharisees. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jesus was consistent, mm-hmm. but he also didn't say or do the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. And I, I've heard the same expression like three days in a row. Um, Insanity is doing the same thing again and again and Mm -hmm. getting the same results, right? And so when it comes to this, like work at living in peace with everyone, it is the refusal to change will will bear the same results over and over again. And the working part may require showing up in a different way. Yeah. and, And pursuing a different way. And so um, I have a little horse story I can share as an example. Boy, we're really going to camp out on this for a minute. <laughs> um, but but this is really, I, I just shared this with a client and it it really struck her. So I, f- I feel this like I need to share this now. Um, I'm working with this new horse, Teddy, uh, who is sweet as pie. Like he's so, he's so sweet. But part of why he's so sweet is he is so frozen in himself and so disassociated. He looks from a distance, if you saw him with me in the arena, he looks like almost a statue. He's just so still. And he won't go off and he won't jump around and it looks lovely. Right. But he's totally not present because something in his life experience has taught him the safe place is to be frozen and Mm -hmm. disconnected and isolated. And if I sniff, he jumps out of his skin. Like literally all fours can come off the ground and he shudders. If I, a Velcro on a glove, like normal movements can startle him because he's so checked out. 
So uh, insanity is doing the same thing again and again and getting the same results. So I have been working on building this connected relationship with him, which requires putting pressure on his hind end and he in asking for the request. And he has figured out if he turns to, you know, a certain amount and looks at me, I stop. So we end up going in circles around and around and around. And I want to go in a straight line Mm -hmm. and he'll, he'll turn and face me and we'll look each other. And then he will only come so far. And so I've tried different things. I thought maybe it's my intentions and the way I show up. Maybe I'm too task oriented in the way I show up. Maybe he needs me to be softer and calmer because the one thing I'm always anxious about is higher energy and a bigger request. What if it's too much and it's going to break the relationship or he's Mm. going to be more scared or he's going to reject me or something? Well, last night I wasn't anticipating on working with him at all. And so that was a pretty good place to be because I didn't have an expectation. Mm -hmm. And we started the process and we're there going around in circles. And I was like, okay, Lord, we're going to do something different. And I just, with the lead rope in my hand, lifted my chest and pulled up my energy and went like, like just to the ground, not to him, but like he was six feet away from me and just, just to the ground and increased my energy. And boom, he woke up and started moving. And I was like, keep going, keep going. And, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to maintain that. He went around me at Liberty about 10 feet out from me, trotting in a circle with his head bent in and his eye on me, totally connected, shook his head a little bit, like, you know, had this floaty little lovely trot. And I was like, and there he is, the one I want to be in relationship with. He lives, you know, he's present. (laughs) And then I like lowered my energy and he comes into me and guess what? He comes right to me and walks in a straight line across the whole arena. And I was like, he needed me to change me in the relationship. Right. And I think that's where that applies to this work at living in peace with everyone. Be just if we're talking about relationships with, with significant others, with business partners, with employees, with children, like with our parents, like when we want the peace, we know that comes from Jesus Christ alone. Mm -hmm. And it's what he gives us inside, but the working at it may require that we have to show up differently Yeah, and risk failing and the rejection Mm -hmm. and the need for repair from that to find out what would work better. If we just keep on doing the same thing over and over again, we're stuck. Yeah. Uh, Going in circles. Very true. There's my Teddy story. Yeah. If I, if I remember, I'll put a picture of him in. He's so sweet. So, and work at living a holy life. So we know holy means uh, set apart or sacred. Mm. So a different life than the life this world would have for us. For those who are not holy, who are not set apart, will not see the Lord. That, what do you do with that? Well, I mean, I think God's just like, or or the writer, I should say, is just kind of laying out the natural consequences or the natural like, if you are in relationship with God and you are putting in the time and the effort into that relationship at, you know, peace and love and living a set apart, holy life, you are going to see God because you are 
you are modeling his character mm-hmm. and there's a natural connection then between us and God when we're modeling his character because we, mm-hmm. we understand that in his fullness because we are being like him. Yeah. And if we choose to go opposite to that, we're not mm-hmm. going to see God because the opposite of God and the selfishness and the living for, for us and, and, you know, putting people down, like everything that's opposite to the fruits of the spirit, you know, go through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, mm-hmm. you know, the opposites of that is what, hatred and grumpiness and yeah. um, unkindness um, being yeah. fickle instead of faithful, like that is going to naturally reap the consequences and, and pushes away from God because that's opposite. It's mm-hmm. not that he's not there. It's not that he isn't, um, trying to woo us or woo people back who are, have fallen into that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he still has a love for, mm-hmm. for people who don't claim his name at all. Right. Right. And yet right. that nature of that, they're not going to see God. Well, yeah. Cause they're seeing everything that is um, the character traits of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I, I hear you say that I, it, uh, I see building blocks and God's first saying you work at living in peace with everyone. You work at the life that you're living within mm-hmm. because you're accountable for you. And then the second verse here, 15, Mm. now look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you corrupting many. And so it's this dance back and forth Mm. between you take care of you and then you can look after those who are around you. And I do think that one of the biggest stumbling blocks in relationships is when we are, you know, pointing out the problem oh, yeah. in somebody else and we're not dealing with the problem within ourselves. I literally just had a conversation an hour ago before we started this podcast with a student and just kind of talking through and introducing that. I mean, the idea of coaching and that, you know, when we run down the road of all the advice giving and pointing out somebody else, what they need to work on, like it often backfires on us because, and, and like, there's no buy-in from that person. Mm -hmm. And if they take our advice and run with it, and then it can come back to be like, well, that Mm -hmm. didn't work out. And I do think, why, why would you tell me to do that? Or the opposite, then it leaves us feeling like, Mm -hmm. why aren't they listening to us? And there's so much release of the pressure of that when we can, ask questions and support in a healthy way and allow people to be on their own journey. And whether Mm -hmm. they, they step into stuff or not, that is their choice. And that is not our responsibility. Right. And she was like, Oh, Uh yeah. She was like, but how do you do that? And I was like, practice, just like anything, you know, like learning to walk when you were a kid or learning chemistry now, or you know, I know gymnastics, like it takes practice and you start it. And, um, and as you were saying that, you know, the other idea of like, when we, when you get on a plane, what is it that when they talk about if cabin pressure drops, right, yeah. you put on your own mask and get your own yep. oxygen and take care of the people around you. And when we are at peace with God and when we're working at peace with each other, like there's going to be a natural flow then that we are able to help the people around us right? because we will be in a right headspace with God. 
Right. Right. I mean, these relationship principles are just really jumping off the page. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, as you're doing that, this never, never struck me before right now. Watch out that no poison root of bitterness grows up to trouble you corrupting many. I'm wondering out loud here, when we look after others and where we're trying to guide and care for others and they don't do what we tell them to do, if that bitter root then mm. starts to take place, right? That, I mean, there are many bitter roots that we can have, but I have seen the largest bitter roots in the women that I've coached come out of a place of resentment for children who have not done what they should do. Spouses oh, yeah. who have not followed through on their commitments, yeah. right? Like, um, and it's, it's interesting because oh. I not only have my client base, but I, I'm looking at the coaching scenarios of my coaching students. Mm-hmm. So I'm privy to these people who I'm not even working with. Right. And there is a thread of bitterness destroying. I mean, I mean, coworkers, you know, just like within businesses. I mean, I, I, I see that, um, yeah. you know, my own husband struggles with that. Like of, of the, just getting frustrated with other yeah. staff members who Mm-hmm. aren't doing this or aren't doing that or aren't pulling their weight or this and that. And I think, yeah, it's such a natural mm-hmm. tendency. And yet when we keep our eyes fixed on our own character and what God's calling us to do and how he's calling us mm-hmm. to live, it it can, if we choose mm-hmm. to just focus on that, free us up from all the comparison and looking around and the yeah. Um, somebody should be doing this or why aren't they listening to that? Or how do they get, Oh, that's a comment. You know, how do they get away with that when I yeah. can't, or somebody else gets pulled in on the carpet? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, I think bitterness next to anger destroys, mm. just destroys us from the inside out. And it, it is, it's, it's sobering to think about. It's scary to watch somebody live it out. And yeah. Uh, it destroys families. It destroys churches, workplaces, oh, yeah. friendships, and and it grows out of so many things. Right? Yes. It's the unresolved, which then goes back to this first part: work at living at peace with everyone. I, we could add to that in the call to live a holy life. Being set apart is forgiveness, right? Like mm-hmm. the world doesn't say offer forgiveness to people, but in God's economy, in God's way forgiveness is there. And if you don't live out your forgiveness for others, as Christ has forgiven you, bitterness. (laughs) Yeah. Starts growing. Yeah. Right. So verse 16 says, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Right. And this, this part, I'm like, Hmm, God, what do we do to make sure that no one is immoral or godless? Right. What can, what can we possibly do? I guess to me, it goes back to, um, you know, Christ said, like, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Hmm. And as we model that character, again, it's, it's the Holy Spirit's work then, and it's not on us. Yeah it's not on us to change somebody else, but we are exhibiting and practicing a lifestyle that, I mean, I believe is 
because it's so countercultural that there is a intrinsic like how does that work and what does that look like and um you know I was just sorry I just thought of a story um there's a company and I'd have to look it up again but it company out in Seattle and the CEO was out with a coworker who happened to be a friend and they were hiking and just hanging out in the outdoors. And she was telling him how stressful life was that she has to, she's working two jobs and trying to make ends meet. And he's thinking, how is one of my employees having to work two jobs to make ends meet? Like that doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And so he molded over and thought about how he could resolve this. And he ended up selling his home and kind of downsizing, you know, he with a six figure income and across the board instituted that every employee would get $70,000. He talked to his, I know he talked to his board of directors, got so much criticism from the business world. Like when he announced this, because it was like, they'll never work. That's, you know, so socialistic. And I'm not getting into politics right now, but um, he's like, you know, it will never work. And you'll just get people then who are just coming to work for you because they get $70,000 and they're just going to be lazy. And what they found is that people worked harder. There was much more happiness Mm. amongst the staff. And when COVID hit, um, their business was a, a, a service type oriented business that they took a huge hit with COVID. And he was trying to figure out how do I not lay people off and what is this going to look like? So this was a follow-up article. They'd been doing this for a couple of years. Um, He had, he managed to carry the business for X amount of time. And then he had people actually like um, his employees come to him and certain ones who had like double incomes of, you know, a spouse who is making enough offering up part of their income, taking less so that somebody else who is in more dire straits could have the money to keep everybody afloat. So everybody pulled together. He said that they ended up, um, their income, like, or their growth ended up holding and that they were actually able to repay back some of the people who'd given away part of their incomes and taking time off, you know, so that other people Mm -hmm. just incredible, but it goes back to this idea that when we feel taken care of, we, we give our loyalty. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a level, like it's twofold that like, do we, do we feel taken care of by God? Do we Mm -hmm. trust in that? And then in turn, we give our loyalty to him because we, we believe and know he has our back or are we always skeptical and, you know, wondering, and that goes back to that discipline and training idea. Yeah. And then number two, you know, as we're, as we're reaching out to people, do they know that we have their best interest in mind? And so they give their loyalty to what we're proposing, which should be a godly lifestyle. Yeah. Or are they worried about judgment or that we're going to suddenly throw the hammer down on them or that we're going to criticize? I mean, there's so many things that we can put onto other people versus like the pure idea of simply love and peace. Exactly. And if they feel that, then, you know, this whole idea that make sure no one is immoral, I think, again, it's not us, but it's this idea that if we're living in such a way Mm -hmm. that others see that and they, they trust us, Mm -hmm. that it's not a matter of you're telling me what to do. It's a, again, it's that, that God of like, 
we take his discipline because we know it's his best interest and yeah. somebody else then is us like shepherding the people around us. It's that same give and take. Yeah. Yeah. And as I was listening to you describe that story, I was thinking that's Acts church. That's the Acts church. I know. I know. That's Romans talking about the body of Christ caring for the weaker parts where well, the strong yeah. parts care for the weaker parts. And so, you know, it didn't even dawn on me socialist, right? It just, it dawned on me biblical. Right. But people run down the like, let everybody take care of for themselves. And, you know, know. we, we, we oh, very right. much take on that consumerism, capitalistic mindset Yeah. that again, though, like you think about it, God's ways and his kingdom is so countercultural. Well, it's looking out for the other person, not looking out for ourselves. And yet we live in a society that's all about ourselves pull yourself up by your bootstraps it's mm -hmm. all me 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 and and you know you can get out of this if you do certain things or watch out for number one and mm -hmm. um god's like watch out for each other yeah it's so interesting because through my studies my graduate school studies i've learned that um the united states is considered an individualistic nation oh yes and um that is not how like western cultures are viewed and it, it comes down even to like the family. So it's commonplace for family units to children grow up, they leave and they go and you have right. these separate family units across the right. country. Whereas in other cultures, you will have families that will stay together. Mm -hmm. Children will be with their great grandparents. And so right. uh, the how far as Americans, at least, because I know we have listeners who are not Americans, how mm -hmm. far we in our culture in America have separated from the idea of a, a kingdom mentality where mm -hmm. we are part of something bigger than ourselves. Yes. And that's really, yes. um, it's interesting because that's where this next part comes to. So verse 18 says, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. Can you imagine? <laughs> I know. They, they staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. And the, the most frightening of frightening moments for them is where God's holiness mm -hmm. appeared. And then the in contrast, the writer says to us, no. You have come to Mount Zion, Mount, Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. So when I was studying this passage, I turned it into I. Okay. And when I was praying it through, and so I want to read that in the next couple of verses from an I perspective. I have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. I have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. I have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. I have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people to be sprinkled to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. To it, 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 it strikes me differently when we put mm. I mm -hmm. in there, especially the, I have come to Jesus. 
Well, and if you, when I've, I've found and I've studied this passage back in um, it's Deuteronomy or Exodus, where I'd mm. have to go back and look it up, where they have this encounter, right, at Mount Sinai. Mm. And, and they did, they pushed back and was like, no, Moses, you go talk to them. Like we're too scared and we will die. And it was like, well, you didn't die the first time when you heard the voice, you were just scared. And it's like, my estimation as I was reading, they were like stepping back from the relationship. Like God had showed up and I grant, like, I cannot imagine how awe inspiring and humbling and scary that would have been, but like God showed up. Like he wanted and still wants an active relationship with us. And he did with them. And yet they pulled back from that because of their own fears, because of their own insecurities, Mm. whatever the case may be, they pulled back and said, no, Moses, you go be the mediator and you deal with him and we'll do whatever he says, whatever you say. But like, we don't want an active part. Like they were moving themselves and, and saying like somebody be in between this. Yeah. When you change it to I like, it pulls it back into that presence of this is my connection. This is me actively stepping into the relationship. I am coming to Jesus. I am doing this. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's, you know, it's not I and I am doing the saving work. Right. It's I, as in I, I am walking in the shoes of those who have gone before me in faith. And, and I'm showing up. Like, I'm showing I'm, up. I'm showing right. up. I am not turning away. I'm not running, right. but I am here and I'm trusting. I, I, this part really struck me as well. I have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. I mean, if we lift with that belief, mm-hmm. right? So let's picture this like a decade ago when I was so fit to be tied with my dad and we were in major conflict, right? Like at the time, I didn't believe that God was the judge of all things. Mm-hmm. I just thought he turned his back on that part of my story. It, it's like uh, almost like uh, I perceived it as like, whatever, like he can't do anything about my father. He can, this is what right. it is, right? Was the, <laughs> kind of the mentality I had about it until really the point of being able to forgive my dad was believing that God was judge over him. And when I thought of God being the judge over my father, I was like, holy crow, my dad's in deep (laughs) doo-doo. Well, and he's answering to God, not to me. And God is going to deal with him just in a just way. Right. And he is the one who is going to bring about whatever consequences need to happen. Right. That takes, it takes it off of me again. Like it's, it goes back to, it's taking off the pressure, the expectations, the responsibility, the everything off of our shoulders of, and putting it where it fairly Mm. resides on that. God is the ultimate authority on all decisions as to where people are at and what consequences they have for their actions. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, he has been faithful to that. I mean, he moved Mm -hmm. my heart into forgiveness and out of bitterness. I was in Mm -hmm. a bitter and angry place. He moved, God moved me out of that. And, and through that work that he was doing in me began to lay the restoration Mm -hmm. story out. And, you know, my father says to me to this day, we just had 
time, my mom, my dad, my sister, and for those of you guys who are listening to this and don't know my backstory, my parents divorced when I was, you know, graduating from college and basically didn't talk to each other for years. And my father and my sister didn't talk for years. And we all just spent a day at the beach together. And my father puts his arm around me and says, Lisa, this is all because of what you've done. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the shirt I wore that day, I noticed it in pictures. Um, I, I have a t-shirt that says he first loved us. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, no, it's not because of what I've done. Right. It's because of what God has done. But God through you, this goes yeah. back to that piece. Like when yeah. we work at living in peace, it's not because that you or I have some yeah. supernatural ability to be loving and peaceful. It's that we're taking on God's character right? and we're connecting with him. And so it's then it's, it's that mirror image of how mm-hmm. he's able then to, to work through us and in instilling his principles into our lives and we're like living it out and as we live it out it makes all the difference on the relationships around us i know that's so beautiful it is remarkable so here now we finally get to the call part um verse 25 be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one and it's capital who is speaking for if the people of israel did not escape when they refused to listen to moses the earthly messenger we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. Hmm. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. Mm. Unshakable things will remain. Mm. So what is God calling us to hear him about that we are tuning him out on? What unshakable, you know, what things is he trying to shake out of our lives and he's trying to get our attention and we're like, hmm mute, you know, <laughs> send him a text message that says not available. Right. <laughs> Call me later. I'm busy. Well, I think, I mean, I think it goes back to what we were talking about. Like anything that is of his character is, um, you know, that's, that's, what's going to protect us. And that's, what's unshakable yeah. is his character, you know, protecting us against bitterness, mm-hmm. um, allowing us to be at peace, allowing us to watch over other people. Um, when, when we model those character traits of God, that's what gives us the ability for all of this to fall into place. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Also, as I, as I read these words, I think, you know, what are the, what is the holy starting back at that beginning of the section, you know, living a holy life? Like what, what describes a holy life? Like um, Sabbath is the first thing that comes to mind. How am I doing at keeping the Sabbath? And am I doing it legalistically or am I doing it with pure heart? How am I doing at idolatry? Am I, have I made an idol of an accomplishment? Have I made an idol out of, um, performance or out of a relationship? Um, how am I doing with the things that I feel insecure about? 
am I masking them or am mm. I willing to bear those before the Lord and ask for him to fill me with his confidence? Right. How am I doing with jealousy? Mm -hmm. uh, am I coveting somebody else's house? Mm -hmm. Somebody I know just bought a beautiful house and they, I was like, come on, Lord. Like I haven't stumbled down that road in a really long time. My brother it, just moved into a brand new house that is absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, it's a vacation spa house and I could totally live in it. And we just got to see it for the first time this last weekend. And it was like, okay, like I'm very happy for him. But yeah, I was having to work on my own little jealousy issues because I was like, mm, yeah, yeah, I could live in this house. I know. And then, and then where that goes like once we allow in that that you know sin streak right does it does it stop with just the sinful thought or does sure. it manifest in another way like right. you know I can see me in that situation like see why can't you get a different job you know <laughs> why can't we make more money so we can go live in a house like that right oh and now we have another issue but how many times do we compartmentalize and, sure. and think oh that's legit. We're just talking about career, mm -hmm. but what instigated the discontentment was a sin of jealousy and yeah. dis, you know, so I just think God is giving us a fresh reminder in this passage. Like he wants everything. He's this devouring fire. He mm -hmm. wants all of us for all of him. Yep. And when we submit to that, we find the life that we want to live. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We made it through. We did. I know. Would you um, close us in prayer on yeah. that note? Sounds good. Dear Jesus, um, thank you so much for your unfailing, abounding love for us. Uh, thank you for the principles that you share in your word and how they challenge us and grow us. And I just ask that we would uh, just take take this passage and really just take it to heart um, and that we would continue to look to you to shape our character and to mold us into the men and women that you want us to be. Thank you so much uh, for your love and walk with us the rest of um, this day and this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you everyone for listening to the More To Be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us today. If you're ready to take the next step in aligning your life with God's best, but not sure what that looks like, head over to moretobe.com slash align to take our quiz and find out. You can also join the sisterhood at moretobe.com slash podcast and get access to a library of Bible study content and biblically based coaching resources. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day and align with his best.